0: first of all, it's just a privilege to be here at Rivers Edge. I want to first say just we love you at 26 West Church out in Portland. We just want to say that we love you, and we're thinking of you, and we're praying for you, and we're excited when we hear what's going on here. I know Brandon visited not too long ago as well, and it's just a joy for us to get to come and and hang out in Spokane and just and be here, and, and so thanks. Thanks for the invite, and thanks for letting us be here. It's just, it's good, it's good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, we actually, I have family who live in Spokane as well, and so I was, um, uh, we were here, and my, my son's birthday is April 9th, and so all the cousins are here in town, and so we had a big party uh, yesterday for my son, and if you ever want entertainment, like just pull out a pinata with eight, Kids that are under the age of 10, and it, it's just really hilarious. And I would recommend helmets for all of the children because <laughs> the sticks, they were flying. It was just wild and crazy. And one of my nephews, he has a great bat, so I'm gonna just call it a bat swing and he almost took off two other kids' heads at least a couple times. So we, we were very nervous. I don't know if we'll ever play that game again, uh, but it was a good time. but uh, a couple things about me. I, I'm one of the pastors out at 26 West Church. Uh, my family, I, I've been married to my wife Kimberly for we it'll be 12 years in May. I can't, cannot believe that. We have two little ones, and I'm going to share a little bit about them later. but both of my children are adopted. My first my first son, his name is Parker, and he's he'll be 4 in April and then my daughter uh we just adopted and she is really close to my my friend in the back 8 months so she 8 months old and she she was on the 23rd and so it's really exciting and we're uh man we are in that busy time and and uh, I, I need to strap on the the sneakers and the sweatband when I'm hanging out with the kids cuz they are busy but we have a good time together and and we're a uh, I'm a spoiled dad to have um, both of them in my family, and, and we, we are, it's just, yeah, it's just awesome. So, hey, we're gonna be in Romans today. So if you wanna jump into Romans five, we're actually, I know you guys have been studying the Sermon on the Mount, I believe, right? And so we're gonna take a break from that today, and we're gonna jump into Romans five. But before we get after Romans five, I think it's important for us to just talk about some context uh, an overarching theme that we actually see, kind of the biggest theme we see in Romans, is that this is really the good news for everyone. Paul is saying, hey, the gospel is the good news for everyone. And then if there's some subset themes that we see throughout some of the chapters, um, is, is, is these, and I'm, I'm going to share just three of them. This is not an exhaustive list, but there's three that, that we see. And the first one is the message of the good news. Um, God's in the right and we're in the wrong, And Paul's message is that all humanity is out of sync with God because of sin. And the good news is everyone has the opportunity to be brought back because of God's grace. And so the message is, before God, you and I are inherently wrong, but can be made right in Jesus by grace through faith, we can Be part of God's family, and so that's the message of the good news, and that kind of starts right there in chapter one. And then, as you continue, you go ahead and you'll you'll see um, in Romans uh, one verse sixteen through seventeen, we actually see Paul say this. He says this um, in sixteen: "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed." a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so again, that message of the good news is being proclaimed in chapter one. And then halfway through chapter one of Romans, we actually see a little bit of a shift come in the theme. And, and that, that shift is the heart of the good news. Is, and this is where we see that believing in Jesus, yes, that he died and rose again, is very important. And it is Foundational, but we also see that this should shape every area of our life, every aspect of our life. So, our jobs, our relationships, our communities, the gospel shapes the entirety of our lives, our relationships, our, our families. It shapes everything about us. And so, we see that as we kind of come uh, into the second part of chapter one. And then, as we turn to chapter five, which we're going to be in today, um, you see the hope of the good news. And that's what I really want to get into is the hope of the good news. And we're only going to read five verses today. So Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, we'll start out with. Here we go. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast also or excuse me, boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We need to define justification, friends, and that is this, justification is something that God has extended to his kids, Because of grace, God has placed us in the right. He's taken us out of the wrong and placed us in the right. That's justification. And our justification is not simply a guarantee for heaven someday, even though that's awesome and I can't wait, but actually justification has hope for you today. You know, that that sign right there says, in Spokane, as it is in heaven, we all should be getting glimpses of heaven here on earth as we walk with Jesus. And we will. And I think if you look at your life, if you've been following Jesus for quite some time, I think you can look back and you see oh, yeah, that was a glimpse of heaven. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Remember that thing that happened? Oh, yes, this was a glimpse. And so we, wa- we want to see those things happen. And justification, okay, is not simply a guarantee of heaven, but it is also the source of tremendous blessing that we enjoy here and now. We have access to that blessing and joy right now. When I was thinking about this, I thought about, for whatever reason, I thought of Costco. And I thought of those big garage doors. When you walk up and you have membership, you walk through them, right? There's no point of standing outside and just looking at the doors. There's so many discounts and samples to go enjoy, right? And so you go in, you go in. And that's very simply what we're talking about right here. Justification, God's placed us in the right. And now, yes, we get to enjoy heaven, but there is much to enjoy today. Go into Costco, my friends. Go into Costco, so in light of all that we have seen like up to chapter five, all those little themes that I told you about really quickly, okay? That theme of the message of the good news, all right? The heart of the good news, okay? Now we're rocking into the, walking into the, the hope of the good news. There are three realities that you and I can enjoy. And the number one that justification brings is peace with God Look at 5.1 again. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the opposite of peace is hostility. And before salvation, this is the posture, God's posture towards you, okay? Now, I know I'm walking a fine line here, and that is this, because yes, God does love you. That's why he sent his son. But at the same time, wrath is real. Wrath is real. And we see that throughout Romans all the time. God's saying, hey, this this is coming for those who do not know me, who do not love me, who do not trust me as king, do not trust me as savior, do not trust me as Lord. There's an actual war going on between God and those who don't know him. Let me explain this. When you sin, you not only break God's law, but you assume the right or the authority to do so. You claim leadership over yourself and your world. But God claims leadership over the same things. Whenever two parties claim absolute control over the same thing, there's war. See, God has a problem with us. Our disobedience also means that God says, hey, listen, something's out of whack. See, and Paul has already told us that God's wrath is upon us. God's anger is not the same as ours. It's not vengeful or vindictive. It's actually legal. So at some level, though, I think this is hard for us to hear. It's hard for me to hear. And I think part of it is the culture we've grown up in. Some couple of experiences that I've had personally that makes, I think, this hard for me to hear is every day when I was growing up, I would hear things like this. Oh my gosh, Kenny, you're such a good guy. Man, you're such a good kid. I wish there were more kids like you. Or more students like you. You're such a good guy. So to, be, to hear like, no, you're not so good, I think is hard and difficult. I think the other thing that we tend to do is we have life comparison. We go, oh, come on, Kenny. I'm, I'm good, dude. Look at my neighbor. Or look at the coworker. Or look at the guy that, man, I was, I was sitting with last week at the airport. He told me about his life. Come on, I'm doing pretty good, right? So there's this life comparison that happens. And I think those two things make it hard for us to hear this. But I think you need to know that despite popular belief, you're not good enough. You might be nice, but in no way are you perfect like God. And that is why the gospel is such great news Tim Keller says this, there is a sentence on us and it cannot just be discarded. The debt cannot be wished away. This is why we cannot simply turn back to God as though we on our side can do all that is necessary to be at peace once more. We need it to become true that we were reconciled to him and have now received reconciliation. That his anger has been taken away. See, peace with God is not something that we can achieve, but rather it's given by God because he has justified us. God has placed us. Again, remember, he's placed us in the right. For those who have trusted him and love him, there is now peace. All right, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Again, one, and then we're gonna go through the halfway through two. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Justification also brings God's power and his presence. We get undeserved favor and his abiding presence in our lives, So with God being so great and us not being good enough, we need to be brought near to him or introduced to him. And this is the result of justification. Because of God, we have been given favorable position with God. Justification is not merely the removal of a negative, but it actually has a positive aspect. And the positive aspect is relationship. We actually get friendship with God. We can go to God continually with our requests, problems, and failures, and he hears us, and he relates to us. So a big moment, a few big moments in my life recently where this has happened has been in my adoption, um, our adoption of our little girl Ellery. And um, Ellery is just the sweetest thing, but man, walking into the adoption, it, it took a little over a year before we adopted Ellery. And man, we came into a time where it was really turbulent because we actually, um, before we ever met Ellery's birth mom, we actually were in touch with five different children. And so those those uh, children, uh, to walk through there, you know, my wife and I were all in kind of people. And so our heart was on the line every single time. And Through those times, man, God was so gracious and we asked for that grace. We said, God, there is gonna be turbulent times. Would you give us grace? And that was one of our prayers. One of our prayers that we were saying, God, your power and your presence is with us and God, we need this from you. So God was so gracious in the times when we were crushed. He gave us perseverance. He was Our strength, and then the other prayer, and I think you're seeing some of these right behind me. But the other prayer we had was, God, would you really please knit us together with Ellery's birth mom? And so you saw, I think you saw a picture of us holding hands, and my son, and we were all meeting at the park when when Emily was still pregnant. There was meetings like that that happened all the time, and so God was knitting us together. We also, uh, the, time before my night, uh, the night before my daughter was born, we got to go up uh, to the room where Emily was, was sitting, getting ready to give birth, and we thought we were only going to be up there for about an hour, and an hour turned into four hours, and we got to just be with the family. It was almost like a family reunion. And we just used to share stories, share what God had been doing, and share all that, that he had done in our world. And so it was so cool to have that experience, and we saw that God was knitting us together. Another way he was knitting us together was um, that night, uh, Ellery's birth mom asked Kimberly to be in the room, and that was, came to a surprise, that was a surprise to us and even asked Kimberly to cut the umbilical cord. It is just kind of wild, these things that God started to do to just knit us together. And then lastly, I think the the moment that I'll never forget was uh, Ellery's birth mom, her dad, was there, and we were hanging out and spending time together. And we're praying, God, please knit us together. And I remember 15, 20 minutes after Ellery was born, He's holding her and we're at the the bed and he goes, I want to pray for Ellery and I want to pray for Emily. And he prayed for healing and quick health for his daughter. And then he prayed for my daughter and he said, God, would you please, Lord, at the right time, the right time, Lord, please would Ellery meet you and trust you as savior and Lord, just blown away. God knit us together. And this was a time when I'm, I'm telling you, the power and presence of God was with my family. And I'm so, gracious. I'm so grateful, so grateful and so powerful. God answered our prayers in ways we could have never imagined. And, and I'm thankful that we get friendship with God. I'm thankful that we can go to God continually with our requests our problems, and even our failures. And he hears us. I think rather than just skip over that, I think it'd be really cool for us right now to go to God with anything, anything you have right now that's in your world that's happening. Maybe it is a failure. Maybe it's a celebration and all you want to do is thank him. But right now, just together as a community, let's just for a moment If you want to bow your heads, keep your eyes open. I don't know how you pray or how you spend time with God. Either of those sound amazing to me. But just bring some cares to him. Let's just sit quietly before him, and then we'll pick back up in Romans 5. God, thank you so much that you're loving. Thank you so much that you're caring. And thank you that you're close. We love you so much, and we're so thankful that you hear us and, and that you are good. In your name, amen. amen. So remember, justification brings God's power and presence And as kids, we're standing in that power and that presence. We're standing in it. Uh, Not long ago, we went for a run, and for whatever reason, after the run, we were smelling dog, yes, the stuff that they leave on the ground, yes. We were smelling this awful smell as we walked around, and we couldn't figure out. So, you know, you do the to check right, you check the shoes, you check everywhere, right? But we could still smell the dog, I don't know where it was, right? But it felt like we were standing in it, okay? And that is the similar like analogy. And I think the image that comes when, when I think about this, okay? When I think about this, we do not move in and out of God's favorable position. If you're if you today have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're His kid. And you do not move in and out of that. I think that this can confuse us. But you have to remember, your efforts didn't get you right with God. Remember, God justified you. And in a similar way, your actions can't move you out of his, this favorable position. Once you trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, you stand in a place of closeness to God. You have his power And his presence, and this remains even if you've been lousy behaviorally. This remains. Now, I'm not saying that God, by any means, has said, "Oh, hey, your behavior's fine. It's okay. No problem." No, I'm not saying that he agrees with it. I actually think that there could be uh, consequences and things like that that take place. But it doesn't mean God bolts. He's out of there. See, and I think this is important for us us to understand because some of you, even this morning, may be caught in the, in the trap of guilt. And God is shouting, you're forgiven. I'm with you. Follow my leading. But some of you are living as if you are condemned. You just won't accept God's grace. The real king is saying, you're justified. But you, as the little king, are saying, Ah, oh, I don't just think that's quite enough. Please Stop. God help us stop this type of attitude in our lives, this type of thinking, because it's off and it is wrong. Justification brings power and presence, but it also brings hope. Let's look at the second part of verse 2 in chapter 5. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. To hope means to want something without certainty, but the greek word underlying it elpis means a conviction see christian hope is a hope, is not just a hopeful wish it is a hope filled certainty and the more we experience our peace and access with god the more desirous we are to see him face to face and the more certain and thrilled we become about being with god forever this is that analogy that i'm telling you about go into Costco, I'm pleading with you, go enjoy the samples today. My son, every time we're by there, I want samples. I want samples. I want samples. I think we need to be that kind of person. God, I want you. God, I want you. I'm I'm so expectant of what you're gonna do today. In Christ, we have been freed from our past, been freed from our rebellion and our sin And it has been put away. We have peace with God. We are free in the present to enjoy a personal relationship with God. And we, one day, will most certainly experience the freedom of life lived in the full, awesome presence of God's glory. We can agree that these benefits of justification are awesome. Thank you, God. But the reality is this. Life's complex, right? Life is complex. It's hard. There's challenges, and Paul addresses that in verse 3. Let's check it out. Verse 3 says, not only so, okay, not only so, let's pause there for just a minute, Verse three starts up by saying, yes, celebrate the peace we have with God, celebrate the relational access we have with God, and even the hope we have with God to be with him forever, but there is more. So not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. See, here Paul, in effect, is saying, I know Christians will continue to suffer, but life's difficulties do not contradict what I've already said to you up to this point. God, though, takes suffering, and he actually uses it for our benefit. God doesn't waste suffering. He doesn't waste it. I think there's a few different ways we suffer. This is an exhaustive list again, but... There's some things. One, sometimes we suffer because it's self-induced. Sometimes we suffer the consequences of our own actions. For instance, you steal, you're caught, you pay the penalty, okay? Right? Self-induced suffering. Here's the good news though. You can be forgiven, but you might have hard times ahead. We also suffer because of others. Other times we suffer because of other people's sinful actions towards us. That's painful, and I don't want to just brush over that and say oh, it's no big deal. No, it's painful. But God can give you the power to forgive. He can give you the 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 the. Fer- he can give you the freedom, and through the power of His Spirit, He can help you. When you just feel most overwhelmed. Uh, Recently, I mean, recently, I I just got a text from a from a situation. It was actually yesterday. I got a situation um, relational pain that I've had in the past. And literally two days ago, I, I thought this thing was like long gone, long over. And I got a text that just like brought up all these flood of emotions. This is, a, this is a thing that happened three years ago. And I, I, really, I really feel like I experienced some suffering in my life. And I found myself, even at the, the moment of suffering, I found myself going to God more than I was just previously, right? Suffering took me to a spot where I was like, I, I'm just going after God more than I ever I had before and growing in him then I find myself yesterday, I get this text, and I I text my wife, baby, I just got the oddest text. And the first thing she says, she's awesome, Did you go to God with it? (laughs) So I find myself again going to God before I'm going to call this guy back that I've had extreme conflict with and suffering. And so even in that moment, all of these emotions came back, came back for me, but God didn't waste it even yesterday. You know why? Because my f- my my family, me, my reaction was, God, I need you. Because I have no idea what this is, how this is going to go. God, I need you. I need you in this conversation. God, I, God, I need you. I need you. I need. You. That's that's the way our life should be all the time. But if we're honest, I don't think, I don't think that's the way we roll all the time. But suffering tends to be a way, not the way, but a way that God grows us, grows his kids. He doesn't waste it. We also see that, frankly, sometimes there's suffering we face for following Jesus. You might lose a friendship. You might lose a position at work. Or you might just be left out and laughed at. That's real suffering, my point is that suffering comes in all forms, but remember God does not waste it. He does not waste it. There is great blessing to be had, and suffering is one of the ways that it comes. That it comes. All right, to conclude, in Jesus you've been justified. So enjoy the peace you have with God. Know you're close and this will not change. If there's anybody anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus, that can change today, very simply. God has invited you into his family through his son, Jesus. All you have to do is receive it. And so, and I just, I challenge you, even even today as I I speak to all of you this morning, man, right, right before we go into song in a few minutes, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and personal Savior, then you can do that today. You can do that right now. God is saying, here's my grace. Receive it. And so that's simple. That's simple. That's, that's God, I love you. And I trust you for salvation. I know I'm sinful. And I know that I can have grace through your son, Jesus. So that's it. And so I would say, man, if if that's you during a song, just say those words, God will forgive you and God will be your father, your king. We also know that his kids get to live in his power and presence. He loves hearing from you, lean into him, give him your cares and share your heart with him. Be honest, ask him for stuff, run after him. We also see that there is the hope of glory. Jesus saves, he is saving, and one day we will be saved forever. Remember God's promises for today and tomorrow. God is already preparing your future and life might be difficult today, but those in Jesus will live with him forever. And do you anticipate that day? Do you anticipate God's return? Are you looking forward to that? I would say adjust your life according to that. Lastly, we don't look forward to suffering, but instead we want to grow in seeing it as a catapult to greater love, to greater love for God. Suffering reminds us of a true, our true source of joy. With that all in mind, let's just... um, You can start playing, my man, and let's just end with this really good news. And that's in verse 5 of chapter 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. I think that's a great way to end. Let's respond to the love God has poured out by worshiping him together in song.